I want to want to preach to you today. I'm going to pray, but I want to talk to you about uh, do you have a biblical worldview? Do you have a biblical worldview? Because when you come to Christ, you should adopt a biblical worldview. If you do not adopt a big biblical worldview, then you have not really come to Christ. If you're still following the viewpoints of this world, and I dare to say that there is much uh, of, 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 of no worldviews that are any longer biblical, and there is a lot of what's called syncretism, where we have just blended everything. That's what our educational systems, and that's what your television, and that's what your smart devices have been pushing to you over and over, and it is a bunch of garbage. It's right out of the pit of hell where we have mixed all sorts of ideas and all sorts of beliefs and we've made them into a hodgepodge and we even call it Christianity sometimes and we even call put Jesus on the front of it but it's uh it's not the biblical worldview from right here and so we when you come to Christ we want to have a it's it's vital now that you have a biblical biblical worldview it really doesn't matter what Brad Lindsay thinks I really don't care what your grandmama thought I don't no offense it doesn't matter matter what your mom and dad thought. All that really matters is what the Lord says. Amen? doesn't matter what that denomination said. It doesn't matter what I said. It only matters that what the Lord says. And so we want to go by what the Bible says. And the Bible is 100%, 100, 1,000% the infallible, perfect, inerrant Word of God. Amen? It is perfect. It is 100% truth. It is, you can stand upon it, and you'll see that more and more as we go through the days that are coming. So let's pray, and then we'll get into this. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for a people that love truth. We thank you for churches that preach truth, God. Amongst all the the bad out there, there are still people who love your word. There are still people who preach the truth of God's word. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that this church is one of those places, God, that people that teach and preach here, God, that they they love your word, and God, they love truth. And so, Lord, we thank you for that, God. We pray that we'll always do that, God. Just like Wednesday night, learning about the book of Jude and all the falseness, God, we want to be a people who can recognize, Lord, this, and, uh, and, and we can combat it with truth, Lord. We thank you, God for this church and this group of people. Thank you for saving souls last Sunday, God. Thank you that you're still at work, even though we're seeing a decline in, in the Gentile nations and uh, of, of, of it seeming like apostasy and people falling away. Lord, yet there's still people being saved. Glory to God. And we're grateful for that, God. We pray again for your people Israel, God. Protect them. Help them. God, be with them, God. You're a God who never sleeps nor slumber, and you always watch over Israel. Oh, God, we thank you for that. We thank you for, God, that little country. We thank you for, God, preserving it. We thank you that even when they were scattered all over the face of the earth, you brought them back. You prophesied you would do it, and you did it. We thank you that long, long ago you formed a a nation, God, from a man called Abraham, God, and you blessed the whole earth through him by sending your son, God, some 2,000 years ago, God, into the world through a a little Jewish girl named Mary, God. Thank you that the the father planted the seed into this virgin, God. The Holy Spirit placed it there. And Lord, God, we have, we have the Christ that became a man. And, he, and, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten uh, uh, Son, full of grace and full of truth, God. Fully man, yet fully God. Came into a world where there was full of sin and God, full of wickedness, but yet never sinned. Paid the sin debt in full, God. Gave His life for us on a cross. Carried our sins as far as the east is from the west paid it in full and Lord all who come to him by faith and put their trust in him and repent of their sins God they can be forgiven and have eternal life God we're so grateful for that God so grateful those that have the son have life and those that do not have the son do not have life and so God we pray today if there's somebody here that does not have the son of of Christ the son of the living God they come to know you and we pray for Israel that they would awaken in this hour God as they begin to, 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 to just ramp up with birth pains and we know the time of Jacob's trouble is coming. And God, we, we just pray, God, for the nation of Israel that they will again, 
more and more are waking up and coming to the reality that Jesus is the Messiah. And Lord, let them awaken and realize, God, that Christ is the Lord and the King of all the earth, God. We thank you for it, Lord. We want all the family together. You want all the family together. Both Jew and Gentile, one new man, complete in Christ. God, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. Speak to our hearts. Change our lives today through the Word of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As I said, when you begin to live for God, you start to have a biblical world view. You start seeing things that the natural, that, that you can't see with the natural eye to try to figure out. If you're trying to figure out what's going on in the world today in the natural eye, uh, with the natural mind, you're, not, you're going to be right, really, really confused in the days ahead at what's going on, at what God is doing, at why God is allowing certain things, why there's certain suffering, and why certain things are going on. If you are looking with a carnal, natural mind, then get ready to just be absolutely discouraged and, and, and distraught and, uh, and, and really given a roller coaster ride. Uh, but if you have adopted a biblical worldview. In other words, if you've come to Christ and you begin to get into this book and let it wash you, then, it, then, then, then uh, you, you'll begin to understand what God is doing. And that's what happened in Matthew 24, 3. There was, uh, he, uh, it was the answer from his mouth, and it was a biblical worldview answer because his disciples began to ask this question. Uh, they said, tell us, when will all these things be? And when will the signs of the coming of the end of the age be? When will the world come to the end? What will the world look like when it comes to the end? And he begins by giving them a biblical worldview. It, 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 you, you can go there and find out what it's going to be like. Because it comes from the mouth of the man who created the world. Christ, He created the world. He is the Creator. In Him and through Him and by Him, all things consist and are held together and, 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 and have their being. He created everything, visible and invisible. He was there in the beginning. And, 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 and He knows all of these things. And so, how, why would we not take the answer of what the world is going to look like? When will the end of things, things come? Oh, we think we're going to listen to some brilliant scientist or PhD guy over here who doesn't have God and he's going to tell you something about what's happening on the earth and you're going to listen to him? Some false apostasy preacher that you're going to listen to that has some great idea or wants to look sharp with some great new revelation or wisdom? Or do you want to listen to the mouth of the one who literally spoke and said, let there be light and there was light? How about I want to hear him? How about getting a, adopting a biblical world view? Not some uh, atheistic uh, uh, professor that tries to tell me, well, there is no God and it just happened with a bang. A big bang came along. No, I'm going to listen to the one. See, that's what's happened. We've adopted a non-biblical worldview. And that's how we're in the mess we're in. That's how our churches are in the mess. That's why your families are in the mess they are in. That's why your children are in the mess they are in. Because we got off course and we listened to somebody like Dr. Spock or some other fool in the world and we stopped listening to what God said in the Word of God. Amen. And so they came to him and they said, Jesus, tell us, when will, the, when, when will these things be? And what will be the signs of the end of the world when you come? And then he gives them a biblical worldview. In other words, no matter what anybody else says, this is what's going to happen. No matter what anybody else tells you, this is, what's, this is a biblical worldview. Go by this. This is, I'm telling you what's going to happen at the end of the age and at the end of the world. And, and folks, I'm telling you something today. The, the world is launching into its final assault on the people of God, on the nation of Israel, on the people of God. We are seeing that, that, that they are coming against the people of God, the people, uh, the testimony of God in the earth. And if you think it's bad now, just wait. It's going to get worse, I hate to tell you, against the people that serve God in this last hour. The people that truly have a biblical worldview and follow God, they are going to be attacked. It's going to be come against more and more and more. You're going to be silenced. You're going to be shunned. You're going to be uh, whatever, canceled by the great woke people. You're going to be cut off of your accounts. You're going, to be, you're going to be fired. There's all sorts of things that are coming on this earth because of the people who have the testimony of God. This world is succumbing to its lowest nature now. We, the, 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 the nature that 
was planted into humanity in the garden. You don't know how low you really can go. But humanity can go to sick places. All you needed to do yesterday was turn on your television and watch people come and take other people from parties and bludgeon them down in the streets and have sons and daughters and little children. I watch videos of little children in Israel. Little Jewish children being being ridiculed and mocked and hit and slapped around by by evil uh, men and women and boys and girls over there. I watch these sick things all over the, the, the that you can't get out of your mind uh, that is going on of people being shot and maimed and killed. I'm telling you something. We are at a place where humanity is succumbing to its lower name. Oh, you don't need to go over there. We're doing it in our streets in Birmingham to each other, right? That nature that was planted in humanity in the garden. Satan came, he sowed seed into humanity, into your first parents. And, and, and in ourself, it was told that we can be to determine what is good and what is evil and what is true and false. God, this is good, but we know what's good and we know what's evil. I know what your word says about sexuality. But we, we've got a better way now. I know what your word says about marriage and, and how it should be and your design for male and female and all of these things. I understand that, but we got a better plan. I understand what you say about fornication. I understand what you say about adultery. I understand what you say about lying. I understand about what you say, the things that should go into our bodies and out of our bodies. I understand all of that, but God, we know better than you. And so they begin to call good evil and evil good. And haven't we done that in our world today? We don't need the Word of God anymore. We can figure this out for ourselves. And you notice now that, like I said, that humanity is calling good is becoming evil. Evil is now becoming good. And we're, we're just going down to the lowest nature that was sowed in us. And I want us to go back to the story of Noah because we can learn a lot from the story of Noah about having a biblical worldview. Because it tells us something about the flashpoint with God, about when a nation comes to a flashpoint of judgment and when things get to a, or a world comes to a flash place of judgment and what begins to happen. God came down to the earth. He saw that the thoughts of humankind were just wicked day and night in Genesis 6, 5. And there's a flashpoint with God. In other words, there's a time. You can think this is going to go. Your, your viewpoint says, ah, uh, it's going to go on like this forever. Hey, don't worry about it. Things have happened like this and you know and things have gone on like this since the fathers and 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 you know what it, it, don't worry things are going to get better things are going to get uh, you know all these things are are, are happening but you know my worldview tell you I don't want to hear that Brad my worldview says everything's going to be all right I got a feeling right come on that's what our worldview says that tonight's going to be a good night right well, God's worldview says there comes a point where society crosses lines and where people cross lines. And there comes a point where, where he deals with certain things. And that's what he says here in Genesis 6, 5, where a flashpoint came. He came down and he saw that the thoughts of man were continuously evil. They were always thinking up new evil things and evil desires and evil practices. And just rather than denying themselves anything, much like today, what? If it fears a good non-biblical worldview, if it feels good, if it fe- that's a good non-biblical worldview. If it feels good, do it. Another good non-biblical don't judge me, bro. Ain't nobody can judge me but God. Right? Oh, we got a lot of them mixed in our lives. Right? God said this world is going to come to an end in Genesis 6, 7. Look at, look at it. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air. There you go, environmentalist. He's getting everybody. Who's doing the destroying? Come on. Wake up. What's wrong? 
I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. Before that happens, though, here's the good news. Before I do this, and this is where we are today, before I do that destroying, I am going to have a testimony of mercy in the earth for a period of time. That's a biblical worldview. Before I destroy the earth, because there's coming a day I'm going to do it. But before that time, I'm going to have a testimony of mercy. And I'm going to build it in a high place where it's visible and where a place where everybody that passes by can see it. While the, while the mamas and daddies are doing whatever they did in Noah's time, going to school or going to the market or whatever they did, he's going to build this boat in a specific spot where they all have to pass by and see it every day and they have to sit there and snicker and laugh and scoff and mock this man who is building a testimony of mercy upon that earth. A place where people pass by, they could see it, and there was a man, a builder and a preacher. Not just a builder, but a preacher. I can imagine him in the doorway frame of just a, a floor and just a frame of that ark there where there's nothing more there where he's been hammering, and every now and then he takes his lunch break or he takes a little break when people come passing by and he stands in the door frame and he begins to tell them we're about to cross a line we are about to come to a flashpoint we are at a place where we are sending our day of grace away I'm building a testimony God showed me a plan of what this salvation is supposed to look like it's, it's an ark and if you would, would get your family and you would come you could be safe on this ark I'm telling you, I'm warning you, one day, the day is going to be over. Please come. And folks, that's exactly what we're doing here today. I'm pleading with you. And there has been a message of mercy that has gone on for a long, long time from pulpits of people saying, we are living close to the last days. Please come. While there's a day of grace, while there's a time, there's an ark of safety. His name is Jesus. Get on board. But if you reject it and refuse it, there is a day when he's going to shut the door and the day of grace will be over. And what man, what God shuts, no man can open. Not even Noah could open that door of grace back up. There will be a last altar call from this pulpit. There will be a last, there will be a last Please come. Please turn from your sins. Please come. There will be one last call one day, very soon. And I'm telling you, there will, just like there was in the day of Noah, God, before He came down, He saw the wickedness. But this God is so loving. He is so kind. These are enemies of His. These people, these are sinners. These people hate God. And yet He's saying, I love them so much. I want to build a testimony of mercy. I want to, I want to save them. I want to bring them in. And so every day, this builder and this preacher is building this, this it's this plan of salvation before the people saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Come to the ark of safety. And they laughed. And they mocked. And they said, we're none. We're none. We're cool now. We don't need God. Or we'll take a plethora of gods. Because we're smart. That book is archaic and old. And, and we got our own worldview. We got a new, we got a, we're woke we're, we're smart. We're, we're really cool. And, 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 and so all of a sudden, here's this builder and this preacher of righteousness warning about the justice of God, warning society they had crossed a line. And so very few, listen to me, were willing to believe. And you know why they were not willing to believe? Because they had an alternate worldview. It came from CNN. It came from Oprah Winfrey. It came from Beyonce. It came from Taylor Swift. It came from the Kelsey brothers. It came from the foolishness of the NFL. It came from all the pop psychology and all the filth and trash and mess out there on television land. They adopted a different worldview. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know, did not know. That's how it's going to come. Oh, at a day you think not. You're not even going it, it's, to, it's like that war coming on Israel. It's, it's just in a socket. All of a sudden, it's here. No more coming to church this Sunday. Maybe if I get to church this Sunday, I'll give my life to Him. Maybe the next baptism, I'll think about it. No, there's one day, just in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, they did not know until the floodwaters came and took them all away. So also will come be this coming of the Son of Man. They ch- Here's the thing. It wasn't that they did not know, because then you'd be able to say, well, God, you're just wicked. No, they chose not to know. They passed by the testimony every day. They heard the pounding. They saw the builder. They heard the message every day. Just like you've heard the message time and time again. Just like others have heard the message. Just like this gospel. Just like this is the best seller in the entire world. I can't even tell you how many copies have been sold of this book as they lie in different places unread with dust piling on them. In American homes. They chose not to know. They said no. Their their view said this will go on forever. It's not going to end. There's not going to be rain. It's never rained here maybe before. And and, and there's no way. Look at that. He's a fool. He yells too much. He screams too much. He's too passionate. I've been told it too. His face turns so red. One day I'll stand across you at the judgment. And if you're on the other side, you'll remember this day. And you'll remember the, 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 the guy who had the red face pleading for you to turn. Pleading for you to please turn from, from the foolishness of this world. Pleading for you to please adopt a biblical worldview. Pleading with you Sunday after Sunday. Pleading with you, uh, uh, just asking, please, would you? Pleading at a funeral this week. Pleading for people to come. No, but they were planning their futures. They, they, they were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were being in, in, good, in marriage, which are all good things. But, but, uh, but I hope you're not unaware like they were unaware. I hope you're not caught. I hope we're not caught. Uh, this world is, is, is rapidly degenerating. It, it, there's a parade of immorality. There was a parade of immorality in his day. There's a parade of immorality that goes on in our day. It's pride everything. We're proud of our sins. We're in your face with it, God. And we, we, we dare you to, 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 to disagree with us. and We don't care what your word says. Good is now evil and evil is now good. It's my life. It's now or never. I ain't going to live forever. Come on, just listen to the stuff we pump into our minds and the philosophies that we feed on and that get inside of our worldview. And it's totally against the Word of God. And, 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 I, and I hope we're not unaware. Truth, Isaiah said, is trampled in the streets. It's fallen into the streets and it's trampled on our Now, we ask our question this. We ask, we ask a question and it's this. Why is a biblical worldview so important? And the answer is simple. It's the foundation that promises us the ability to see a secure, secure future as hopeless and lawlessness increases all around us. It is the foundation that promises us the ability to see a secure future as hopelessness and lawlessness increases all around the world. See, God promises to be a voice behind you saying this is the way you walk in it. God promises that to be our strength and to restore our souls for His namesake. And even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that He is with us. He promises to be our God, that our, His rod and His staff, they comfort us. He promises to discipline us. He promises to do all of these things. Listen to what Psalms 19.130 says. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. In other words, it banishes confusion. The entrance of your word gives light. 
That's why I'm begging you. That's why we keep saying Bible reading plan. I'm begging you any way I can to, for you to read this book. Not just a devotional somebody put out. Read this book yourself. Not just a daily bread off of your kitchen table that's one little scripture or one that you pass around that everybody does that's out there on the internet. No, read a few chapters of this book every day. Amen? Because the entrance of this word gives light. It brings clarity. It banishes confusion. All things are dissipated by the Word of God. When I got saved, I had all kinds of views. Yeah, I was a good moral person and then I got whacked out by everything else around me. All the music I was listening to, all the, all the things going to college, all the stuff that I was. I remember, uh, I remember writing papers in college and things because that's where they really want to mess you up. And, and I can remember the, wanting to support abortion. I can remember uh, but wanting to support... Remember when Tipper Gore was all with the bad music and all the stuff, and let's and I was would celebrate the bad music, and I can remember thinking, "This is all right. We ought to be able to do what we want to do and things like that." But I'm telling you, when I got saved and I came to know God's word and I started reading it, the entrance of His word brought light in my soul, and as those things began to get washed away, and I began to say, "Wait a minute! You think you're so smart that killing babies is okay? That's not okay with God." And I began to understand the truth in God's word. You think that listening to music that, is, that has got blasphemous words towards God is okay? That's not okay. And the Word of God, what, like it says in the Word of God, He washed me with the water of His Word. And He washed away that old view and He began to wash me clean with the water of His Word. And I started reading His Bible. I started reading this book at, at, at church. I started reading this book at lunch. Man, I had this little Gideon Bible. I'd take it, I'd go in the bathroom and I'd just make a, I'd just make a reason to just stay in there longer and I'd just be in there reading the Word. Reading, I couldn't get enough of the Word. To, I'd go at my lunch break to this little church down the road and sit in the courtyard and I'd read the Word some more. I couldn't get enough of the Word. It was washing me, washing me clean, washing my mind, washing my heart, washing my spirit. It was just washing over me, washing all the ideas. I'd loved politics. I loved all these things before. And God's just all of a sudden washing these thoughts, washing these things that are against Him out of my mind, out of my heart, out of my soul, out of my spirit. The entrance of His Word gives light. And when light is there, guess what you can see further in the dark and some of you can't see your way forward because you've been and you got about 80 hours of that and about 10 seconds of this or maybe one time a week here and no wonder you can't see out of the confusion no wonder you can't see one step ahead of you. No wonder we can't see because the entrance of your word, and I'm not putting you down. Many of you read the Bible uh, tons, and for those who are, feel guilty like I used to do, there was a point I got read it so much, and I got so religious that, that I, uh, God told me to put the book down for a minute. I was killing myself. The, the, it, just, I, it, just was, it was not spirit. It was, just, it was out of guilt and out of all these other things. For that person, I'm not talking to you, but for the one who's literally uh, the game players and not reading reading it at all, I'm pleading with you, please get into the book because when, when you read it, there is light there. The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when you read this Word, suddenly there is a pathway that opens before you. Suddenly you start seeing what God wants to do with your life, that God has a plan for your life, that He wants to affect the world around you, that, hey, your plan was just eating, drinking, and marrying and all of that. And that's a good plan. That's fine. But God has more for you than just eating drinking and marrying he wants to show you what his plan is for your life amen hallelujah and his word does that the entrance of his word gives light and it shows you the entrance of his word gives life i'll give you an example peter peter didn't want to go to the gentiles did he he had a non-biblical worldview but what did god tell him God sent His Word to him and said, Whatever I've cleansed, you have no right to call it common or unclean anymore. And guess what Peter did? He shafted his other view and he began to take on God's biblical worldview and he went and preached the gospel to the Gentiles and they got baptized with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues just like it had fallen on the Gentiles and happened. Amen? 
or on the Jews and it happened. And so the word of God, when it comes to you, you don't have a right to disagree with God. No, let me say that again. When the word of God comes to you and the entrance of his word comes to you and he says, forgive that person, you don't have a right to argue and tell God that you're going to disagree with what he has to say. He went to the cross, he shed his blood, he died for us. And if you've opened your heart, he has cleansed you. Oh, but pressed bread, you don't know my struggles. Maybe, but I know what the Bible says. Those he is clean. Don't call them uncommon or unclean anymore. A biblical worldview, listen, determines our direction, our decisions, our passions, our pursuits, the, uh, the people that we hang out with, and our associations. In other words, a biblical worldview changes your entire course of life. When Marcy and I, when I was reading that book, and I was studying that book like a 90 to nothing in 1994, guess what? We lived in Birmingham. We wanted to move to 280. We were going to live with the rich people. We were going to do all this. I was going to go into business world. We were going to do all these things. But guess what? The uh, biblical worldview came into my life. It changed our friends. It changed the direction of our life. It changed my, my, what I was doing in life. It changed where I was going and what I was going to do. It changed the course that I was on. We, we got out. We looked for a home. We, we moved. We, well, we found looked for a church because that was going to be a biblical thing. We weren't just going to be Christians without going to church. So we got to find a church. So we began to journey of God directing us to find a church. God leads us to a church. Guess what? We decide where we're going to live by our church. So we move to where our church is. That's what governed our life. It would make sense that we don't live 15 hours from the church that God's just planted us because then we won't go to church. So we are going to direct our lives around the Word of God. So God is going to open a door. He wants us to live here. He wants us to live near the church so we can be involved in the church. We can work in the church. We can do the things that we need to do get involved in ministry and so our whole lives began to be directed by a biblical world view God when do you want children how do you want children we, everything we did began to become by this how do we educate them what do we do what do we do with them what do we let them watch or not watch who do we let them associate or not associate it didn't come from all the mess out there or even our parents or everybody else's opinion it came from right here did we always do it right? No. Did we have to go back and ask God for forgiveness? Yes. But a biblical worldview determines our direction, our decisions, our passions, our pursuits, and the people we hang out. We left old friendships because they don't, they don't agree with this worldview. So we didn't hang with them anymore. Oh, you're so mean, Brad. No, I have a biblical worldview. What if light hath fellowship with darkness? Come on. No, come on. Let's follow this book. Not your feelings. Not, not, oh, you're not being tolerant enough. Not all those things. I just read a post this morning by a supposed great Christian. And he's on there railing to the preachers about not preaching messages like I'm preaching today. So I guess Noah would have been told to shut up. Because he's preaching a mean message. Telling somebody they're wrong. Not loving them enough. But it changes the course of your life. For instance, the Bible says do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Before those that are considering getting married should consider the scripture. And if they are with somebody that is not a believer, then they should say, either become a believer or adios amigos. Right? I don't hear a lot of confidence out of your believing hearts. I guess we don't want to follow that. I guess we want to do what our flesh wants to do. Is that an amen or is it an amen? amen. Right? Or for instance, what God says about don't have sex outside of marriage. Do we follow the course of the world? Do we follow the course of our heart? Just follow your heart. Or do we follow a biblical worldview and say, you know what? Even if it's my granddaughter or even if it's my sons, then I need to tell them what you're doing is not right according to the Word of God. I still love you, but what you're doing is a sin. 
Oh, boy, I can feel it. I, I, hate, I, I hate I feel this in a church. No, I hate I feel the resistance out of supposed Christians. The shutdown to the, the anger toward the Word of God, the truth of God's Word. I don't know if you're just contemplated or you're mad at me. But, the, but, the, but the, what about money? What about the Scriptures and what it says about money? Are we going to follow our, our what, what we have to say and what we've adopted, the American dream? Or are we going to follow the Word of God and what God, with tithing? With giving to, to, to God's needs? Or is it all ours and we do whatever we want to because if it feels good, do it. Or what about jobs? Or what about, uh, uh, you know, that we're going to work? Or what about our attitudes? That we can just be ugly. We can wear shirts that are ugly towards other people and all these things. These little smart, smirky comments that are against God's Word. Or we can dress immoral. Uh, ladies or men too, whatever. And we can do these things when the Word of God tells us something otherwise. What about our stance with Israel? And what the Word of God says about the nation of Israel. We, do, we, we, do we adopt a biblical worldview? What is your worldview? 2 Timothy 4.1 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and, and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. So I'm ready today. I am ready. I was in season when people were amening me years ago. And I'll be ready today if there's nobody left to amen me. Be preaching the Word in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering of teaching, for the time will come, it feels like now, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own, own worldview, own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Doesn't mean they don't go to church. It means they don't go to church to hear the word. They go to church. They don't go to church to change their behavior. They don't go to church to be, change their attitude. They go to church to hear good stories. And that's what we have. A lot of churches full of a lot of people. Where they tell great stories that move you to tears and emotions. And make you feel good. And make you feel good about today. And every day's Friday. Entertaining stories. Listen to what the full life study about. Listen, there was a pastor I love. And he had some people come into a school that they had one time. A long time ago at a school they had. And he said, he told, they had a pastor that was a wolf in sheep's clothing. They had a, they had a, that they attended a church like that. And he brought them in the office, this family, because he's like, I don't want your kids to be confused. He's like, you need to know that what we teach, they're hearing something at your church on Sunday, and they're hearing something totally different here at this church on Sunday. In fact, or, or in their school. And he said, in fact, what they're hearing in this school is that we teach what your pastor preaches on Sunday is a lie. And they said, that's okay. And he said, well, you're at liberty to attend anywhere you want, but I just wanted to to, to, for you to know that. And then he opened up the Bible and he read the scripts, a passage of Scripture. And when he read a passage of Scripture, they said, well, that's your opinion. And he said, I didn't give my opinion. And so he turned the page and read another passage of Scripture. And they said, that's your opinion. And that's where we are today. Let me read it. There's nowhere better to read it than I love the full life study Bible. It's the first Bible I really got. And listen to what it says in the, in the Full Life Study Bible about the last days that we're living in and this, this worldview problem. It says, both Jesus and Paul paint a dismal picture morally, spiritually, and doctrinally as the present age closes. Paul in particular stresses that the churches will be invaded by godless elements in the last days called the falling away within the church world will have two dimensions. Theological apostasy is the departure from and rejection of part 
or all of the original teachings. We just saw the Methodists do that. Part or all the teachings, of part of them, of Christ and the apostles. We've seen the Presbyterian. We're seeing others. False leaders will come, will offer uh, salvation and cheap grace while ignoring Christ's demand for repentance, separation from immorality, and loyalty to, God's, to God and His standards. False hopes that center on human activity and goals of self-interest will become popular. Moral apostasy is the severance of one's saving relationship with Christ and returning to sin and immorality. Some leaders may proclaim right doctrine yet abandon God's moral law and standards of righteousness and thereby corrupt the truth and loose deception. Uh, Many churches will tolerate almost anything for the sake of numbers, money, success, and honor. The gospel of the cross with its uh, call to suffer, to radically renounce sin, to sacrifice for God's kingdom, and to deny oneself will be unpopular. Both church and history, uh, both church and history uh, uh, and the predicted fall, falling away at the end time warned believers not to be naive about widespread corruption of the gospel. At some point in church history, rebellion against God and His word will reach astounding proportions. Amen. The day of the Lord will bring God's wrath on those that reject His truth. The ultimate triumph of God's kingdom and His righteousness in the world therefore depends not on the gradual increase and the professing church's success, kingdom now, which is not true, but on the final intervention of God when He breaks into the world with righteous judgment. That's how it's going to happen, my friend. That's from the Full Life Study Bible, excellent resource. The people in Matthew 24 were simply unaware of the time and the day like I think most people are simply unaware of the time. And because you begin to talk about the Israeli war, you begin to talk about things like I'm talking about today, and they scatter. I can clear a room in about three seconds. Because nobody, not very many people want to talk about the things of God and the things that are going on. And especially the things that, 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 that deal with the flesh. You let, let's have a concert, you'll fill this place up. Let's have, let's have a good revival with a lot of screaming, preaching, and that really gets you going emotionally. And we'll fill this place up. Why don't we have people come to a prayer meeting or Wednesday night? Because your flesh hates it. Your flesh recoils at sitting through something that you feel is boring. And that I don't have a commercial break. And I don't have something exciting and to stimulate me every second. But you need, to, you need to sit into some good. You need to sit down in the quiet and read this uninterrupted. And even when your flesh recoils, you keep at it. And you need to pray. And you need to come to Sunday school. And you need to come to Bible study. And you need to do some of those things. And yeah, we need the cheerleading. And we need some, uh, some of the, the concerts and things to help us as well. But we need that. And the Bible says the people in Matthew 24 were simply unaware of the day. And they were unaware because they had embraced their own worldview. They were being warned. We are being warned. But they had their own worldview. When God is about to judge a society, listen, He always, as we said in the days of Noah, establishes a testimony of His willingness to show mercy. And that testimony in that day was a boat, in a sense. And it was built in a very visible place by a man who had to endure significant ridicule for a decades of his life. God could have judged that thing in a few days and that would have been it. But God chose to put a man there, a builder, and he had to build this boat for decades and he had to preach and be mocked and ridiculed as a visible testimony of a place where they could be saved. Much like he is doing that to you in our day and time where he's wanting you to be a visible testimony and endure the mocking and the ridicule and the scoffing of a society now in order that they may see a moment of mercy before he comes comes back and puts an end, just like one day he shut the door of the ark and put an end in their time. And you are the testimony of God's mercy. Hear me. People who just got saved last week and are going to get baptized today, that's not it. Let's not punch our ticket to heaven and now go do that and let's go sip some, some mint julep on the porch. No, you're called now to be a visible testimony. 
in a lost and dying world. Noah pleads, God is going to judge the world. Noah pleads, we're not going to go on like this forever. There is a reckoning day. God is going to turn. There is a time when man's, man's sin is going to, to fill the cup of God's wrath up. There is coming a day when all of this will stop and the mercy moment will, will go away. And so we are a type of Noah. Somebody who's out there warning like I'm doing today. We're, we're like Noah's. We're a type of Christian that starts calling the, out to the world and begins to tell them judgment is coming. But in before judgment comes, God wants to show you mercy. Amen? And so again, He could have done it. He could have done it in less... You know, America, when I grew up, I know you children... Young people can't believe it, but when I grew up, and I know when the generation before me grew up, almost everybody in America seemed like they were a Christian. I mean, even the singers that sang and things always talked about singing in the church when they were little. And everybody confessed that they were a Christian. And in less than 30 years in this nation, it has all changed and come to the point where Christ is now rejected. He has now made a mockery. Now, now uh, uh, we, we, we're, and we're left in this world as a visible testimony in a world that's ready to ridicule, mock, and do exactly what they did to Noah in his day. And listen to me. Listen very close. He has you exactly where he needs you and if that's you and I know you hate your jobs I know it I hear it every every time you come in I look at your faces about how disgusted you are at where you're at but can I tell you God has exactly where he wants you if it's pushing a broom guess what there are people pushing brooms that need to know God wants to give you a mercy moment if you are there and you and you're under a car at a quick oil change there are people on that outer thing when they scream down Bay is ready uh, hey guess what the world's about to be judged there are people People who are retired now and you don't know what to do with your day. But God has you somewhere. He has you sitting with somebody and you're a Noah to somebody. And you're there to tell them that God loves you and He wants to save you. He has you where He is. It may be a boardroom somewhere, but He has you there as a visible testimony. He has His salt scattered throughout the earth because He doesn't need it all in one place. So He's scattering His salt about this world and he's telling us to be that testimony and here's the promise in closing in the last days I scream and yell and I tell you a lot of things and then I ask you why you're not smiling when I'm telling you things that sound like you're about to die and go to hell but now for the good news God promises this in the last days before He judges everything there. Finally, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. In other words, they'll begin to speak in unison with what God is saying. In other words, they will understand and have a biblical worldview. He's going to pour it out some like on this young lady here. And she's going to begin to say, you know what? Those things they're saying to me at school, they don't line up with what's going on in here. And little girls like that are going to prophesy. And they're going to say, Mama, that's wrong. This is what God's Word says. And they're going to begin to fall. I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your old men will dream dreams and have visions. And he says, I will pour it out in the last days. Uh, and, and Peter stepped out of the upper room. And that's exactly what happened when it began. The last of those days when Peter stepped out and the Holy Spirit fell. He began to say, save yourself from this untoward crooked generation. And that's what we're called to do again in the last days. Save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. Do it while there is still time. And they cried out, what must we do to be saved? Tell us, man. And somebody posted, please tell Peter not to preach like that next week. Because the devil works through God's people too. And 3,000 got saved. And I don't see it through this other mess being preached. The 3,000 getting totally converted. When the gospel is preached, 
then people get converted. And so, folks, what an amazing time. If we are willing to come back to a biblical worldview, then we'll begin to understand why we are here. You'll begin to quit complaining about everything that's going on in your day. And why is it so bad? And why did this happen? And why did I stomp my toe today? And why did the dog bark? And why did all this happen? No, you'll begin to see God has left you here in the midst of this world because He so loved it that he wants the world to be saved and like Noah he has a visible demonstration so God you have me in this terrible job for a reason God you have me still in this place I'm living for a reason you have me here God as a visible demonstration so while I'm here I'm going to begin to be salt and light I'm going to begin to be a builder and a preacher I'm going to begin to tell the world they need to come to God and be saved. If all I can do is come to Brookside Beans and hand out a cup of coffee and say, Jesus loves you and He wants you in the kingdom of God. All that fell flat because nobody wants to do that with their Saturday. Or you don't agree with it. Or whatever. My God, help us, church. Help us, church. God is showing mercy through through you. And He's wanting to show mercy through you. When God told Noah, I'm sure they didn't join Noah because I don't like the way he's building that boat. Like the music he's playing. Singing to God while he's building it. When God told Noah to judge the world... He could have done it in days, but he waited decades, as I said. And the reason the Bible says, here's what the Bible says. That when they say peace and safety, because you say, well, I got all kinds of time. No, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. That's a biblical worldview. When they say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction shall come up them as a woman with travail. Isaiah 5 and 13, another time. I promise I'm going, but I, got, I promise I'm getting to the end. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity. This was another time when they were going off the rails and it was getting bad and judgment was coming. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitudes dried up with thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. The glory and their multitude and their pomp. He who is jubilant shall descend into it. You know what he's saying? They're so happy in their sin... They're dancing while hell is opening its mouth and they're dancing right into it. They're dancing right. They don't even know. They're jubilant. Woo! Jesus loves you while they're fornicating, while they're messing around, while they're proud of their sin. And He says they don't even understand. Hell is widening in its mouth and they're dancing right into it. Wake up, America! Repent, American Christianity! Read the Bible! Get a biblical worldview! Hallelujah! 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 No, and don't protect the kids, they need to hear it! Let them hear the truth! Quit shielding them! That's what's kidding, that's what's in broadening their hell! You trying to scare me, preacher? Yes. If you don't know Christ, you ought to be scared. Reason we're not scared and accepting Christ is because all the people that have told us that we don't need to be scared. Judgment's not coming. He's not that bad. He'll overlook everything you're doing. He really doesn't care if you accept Jesus or not. He's going to let you in. It's going to universally sweep us all in at the last. That's not a biblical worldview. Finally, one day the justice of God came to the world during Noah's time. And the Bible said he and his family were lifted above the destruction. And the Bible says in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, 
We are going to be lifted above the destruction that's finally going to come on this world. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the, at the last trumpet, the Bible says the, the dead in Christ will rise first. We're going to be rise first. And then those which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the air in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe that this is going to happen just before the final destruction comes on the earth as we know it, as humankind is allowed to go into full gambit of the rebellion against God and it brings them to their own peril. The church is going to be taken from this world and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Every saint that has ever died and been buried in a cemetery around here is going to pop up out of those graves and then we are going to be raised with them and so shall we ever be with the Lord and then destruction comes. But before the second raising, that one that I'm talking about, there's a first raising. And it's a raising that God empowers His people to, to live above the darkness in the world that we're in right now. To have strength to stand, to have strength to speak. To have strength to preach. To stand as a testimony like Paul did in Acts 27 where he is on the belly of a ship. And they tell him, we have a way that seems right to man and we are going to follow it. And they say, hey, we're going to sail that way. And Paul says, that's not a biblical worldview. We should not do that. And they say, shut up, buddy. Get down in the belly of the ship with the prisoners. We don't want that. Don't bring your Bible to our schools anymore. Don't bring your Bible to our workplace anymore. We don't want to hear about that anymore. We know where we're going. So just, you're on the ship with us. So get ready. Buckle up. We are headed this direction. And so all of a sudden they're down in that. They get into the middle of a storm. When it gets so terribly bad, the mercy of God comes. And all of a sudden, somebody remembers there is a man in that belly of the ship. And I want to hear what that man has to say. We wouldn't listen to him before. And we're in a mess right now. But I want to hear what that man has to say. He said that he had something to say that would help us on this journey. And so the Bible says when all hope that they should be saved, all of a sudden Paul is gone to get fetched. And he comes down and he goes from captive to captain in a few minutes. And he is now telling them, hey, I got a biblical worldview. God told me this was going to happen. God said we were going to go into this storm. And God said, be of good cheer because not one of you is going to be lost. He's given me all into your hands. And folks, we need to pray for a moment just like that right now. That all of a sudden, those people who didn't want to hear you at work, those people who didn't want to hear you in the family, they didn't want to hear you at the family reunion, they didn't even want to hear you in church. But all of a sudden, maybe when the world descends and it gets so dark and so bad, they'll say, where is Daniel? Where is Caleb? Where is Gabe? Where is Tiffany, where is this one? Where is that one? And all of a sudden we will come up and guess what? How incredible that in a moment of destruction and judgment, God gave Paul 276 souls. And I'm saying, God, before you come, God, before you come, give us a mercy moment. And God, let them call. Let them come knocking on our doors. Hey, preacher, open the door. I know I didn't want to come. I know I left angry one time. But I'm back. I want to know what you have to say. And maybe just before this comes on the world for real, Maybe when all hell breaks out, maybe people will be begin banging on our doors and say, why do you have that song in your heart? That's why, folks, it's so important. It's so important. I don't mean to rib you. We're living in hard times. But, folks, there ought to be something in our lives. If you live in an apartment, somebody above you, you ought to sing a little bit louder. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me, this joy that I have. 
The world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. And all of a sudden there comes a knock. What are you singing for? The whole world's under uh, going nuts. Why do you have joy? Why are you singing? And we sing louder. Or maybe God's positioned you at work and you're just humming at your workbench or you're singing a little bit under your breath and one day you sing just a little bit louder so the guy next to you can hear you and he looks over. Why are you happy? My marriage is falling apart. My life is miserable. I drink every night and I can't scratch the itch. Tell me, friend, why are you happy? And you are a testimony of God's saving grace, of God's plan in the earth in this last hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, whatever house you're in, He's scattering seed, folks. And don't live your life trying to Trying to get out of somewhere that God puts you into. Be a testimony of God in that place. Noah bore it. And in the midst of all that, he endured the ridicule. And, then, and, 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 and all of that. And I can hear him pleading, won't you consider man? Won't you consider your salvation? Won't you consider in the, in the midst of all your, all your marrying and giving in marriage and spending money and going to the mall and the latest thing, the latest car, and I got this and I got that. Won't you stop and consider your end? Won't you stop and consider, my friend? Won't you consider and won't you bring your family into this ark? Won't you bring your family into a place of safety? Won't you come back to church? Won't you get on your knees at home and lead your family to a place that is safe in Jesus Christ and to be your Lord and your Savior. You've given them money. You've given them lake places. You've given them everything else in the world that's okay. But folks, you've left the main thing out. You've left Jesus Christ. What is it to gain the whole world and to lose your soul one day? Won't you consider bringing your family into the ark? And day finally came where Noah and his family went into the ark. And as I said, God closed the door and they couldn't open it. And nor could Noah, the Bible says. Nobody could open that door. And folks, there is a doorway of God's mercy that is open right now. Right now. But it will close. I promise you, it will close one day. And while there is a day of mercy, I'm begging you. David Wilkerson used to say, every time that you resist God's offer of forgiveness, that there is another layer of hardness that comes into your heart until eventually you get to the point where you can't hear this gospel anymore. And I feel that. I feel that out of our young people today. It scares me. I look in their faces. I look in their eyes. I look in their, the boredom in the house of God. And it scares me. They've heard it over and over and over. And they've rejected the altar calls. They've rejected God, the Holy Spirit, dealing with their heart in those areas. And they've done it over and over until eventually there's a point you cannot hear it. It's called gospel hardening. That's what the old timers used to call it. How long will you reject the kindness of God that leads to repentance? How long? How long? How long will you love something else more than the Savior? How long will you walk away like the rich young ruler and saying that that's too difficult? How long will you hold on to that thing above God when God is calling you? calling you at this point. It's as easy as ABC, like I said last week. It's simply admit. Admit that you can't save yourself and that you need a Savior. Two, believe God sent His Son to the cross to die for your sins and pay the punishment for everything we deserve. Then three, confess. Confess Him as Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that He died and rose and, uh, from the grave. And he, that, that, uh, That's all the thief did. He said, remember me today. And he said, I tell you today you will be with me in Paradise. That's what happened in 1994, and he changed me. He changed my worldview. He changed everything, and he'll do that for you today. And I would not love nothing else when we play a song in a few minutes. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, make him the Lord and Savior of your, of your life. Change and say, God, I'm going to have a biblical worldview. I'm going to believe what you said about sin. I'm going to believe what you said about mankind and about all men being sinners and falling short of the glory of God and needing salvation. I'm going to believe what you 
said about yourself that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but except by you. I'm going to believe what you say about judgment. I'm going to believe what you say about hell. I'm going to believe what you say about heaven. I'm going to believe what you say about death that is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. I'm going to believe what your word says. I'm going to believe that your word says you won't always strive with men. I'm going to believe uh, what the Bible says, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or what I think. I'm going to believe what your book says, and God, I'm going to believe what it says today about salvation, and I'm going to open my heart and open my life. I'm going to confess my sin, and I'm going to come to you, God, just as I am, and know that all that come to you, you will in no wise cast out. And then the second altar call is simply this for believers, and it's this, God, use my life for your glory. There was a day after salvation in that little church that God led us to in our entire life there. The preaching began to come. And I came to this altar and I said, God, here's my life. Take my life and use it however you want. And that's what God wants to do today. And help me embrace your worldview that you give through the Spirit. I've been eating. I've been drinking. I've been going along my way, planning my own life. But God, I'm coming to you today. And I want you to to plan my life for me in the course of my life. And I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. And so we're, we're asking you to come. And we're asking you to ask for the courage, as Noah once did, to be able to withstand the ridicule that's coming our way so that you can be a testimony in this world, so that you can be an ambassador of his mercy and that you can have the strength that you need uh, to stand for him in this last day and in this last hour. If you want your life to make a difference, then that's going to be the second altar call. And we're going to come, and as you're in this altar, we're going to pray that, that, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And we're going to pray for an empowerment for you to build a testimony of mercy in this world. Because God, James says it, that God wants to give mercy before judgment. He wants mercy to triumph judgment. He wants to save, not to condemn. He so wants to save. And so while there is an open door and while there is time, please come.